Hello, and welcome to the Hidden Cube podcast, a place where you can listen to reviews of art shows, interviews with established and upcoming artists, and finding opportunities to participate in the art scene. My name is Daniel Johnson, and today I'm with Jeffrey Hampshire. We want to apologize to our, our listeners. It's been a while. Um, you know, if you're if you've been following for a little bit, you know that we've been striving to release two times a month. Um, but sometimes other things occur and right now it's really just Daniel and, and I running the podcast. Um, so we're, we're grateful that you're here today listening to this episode and we're going to still strive to do two episodes a month, but sometimes things occur. Uh, we are excited to talk about a show we recently just went and saw and also participated in. Um, it was the Bountiful Davis Arts Center 47th Annual Statewide Competition. And this was, it felt special to go there. It was the first time after graduation that I personally got a piece into the show and we'll talk about that later. And we, we also want to talk about like the application processes to these shows. There was some really great work that we saw. It is a statewide competition. So you see a variety, a large variety of art pieces, different uh, mediums and different styles that are approached to this. Yeah. And this show was actually curated by Nancy Rivera or jurd by Nancy Rivera, better said. And she's been part of the art scene here in Utah for a little while, and she's a very prominent figure. And so having just any artist get accepted into this show this particular time is a great compliment to the great work that's being accomplished here in Utah. And I mean, when we started this podcast, that was one of the things that we wanted to do is showcase Utah and be able to help other artists know what's going on in Utah and celebrate our successes and celebrate moments of where we can learn and different things like that. Jeffrey and I actually had the opportunity to go up to the opening uh, that happened there. And it was a different experience because as far as what I've experienced has been a lot of just the BYU openings with students Mm -hmm. and things like that. Of course, ourselves having participated and put one of those on ourselves. So going into this with a different frame of reference was really cool in like terrible word, right? But (laughs) it doesn't describe necessarily the feeling that you actually got to feel when you were there. It felt professional and there was instead of your peers and friends that you've known throughout the college experience, now you're rubbing shoulders with new artists that you've never met before, whether they're your age beyond or younger, which is something that I really enjoyed because really you, you get to meet more of a variety and people are still interested in what you do. It doesn't matter what age you are. So I think that was one of the key things with this competition. Yeah, actually, I think that's a really good point because it, because it's a statewide annual it, and it still is curated like there was probably a lot of applications and it was a select few of artists that were able to get pieces in, but because it's a statewide, it doesn't have like maybe one running theme and you're not running into working with a a group show with peers. You're right about that. Like it was a unique experience that when we were going there, we were approached with art or artists that we've never met and we don't know anything about. And it was cool to see the reaction, um, of some of these winners uh, of this competition. It was a competition with the juried show. Each application had a, a certain fee amount and that would pool up to allow um, 
like three winners and a few honorable mentions. And so it was kind of a different scene too. I think there is a difference between a solo or group show versus a competition show. And I don't know, maybe we could dive into that a little bit too, but this is kind of a mix of both. We had a great juror. Um, and I actually want to kind of read who that is for our audience on, on the Bountiful Davis Art Center. It kind of describes who Nancy Rivera is. So I'm just going to read this paragraph to introduce who our juror was, and then we can go into the pieces that we saw. So Nancy E. Rivera is a visual artist, curator, and arts administrator based in Salt Lake City, Utah. As an artist, she works primarily in the fields of photography, video, sculpture, and installation. Her practice is influenced by her dual cultural identity and its effects, such as code switching, uh, cultural assimilation, and displacement. Her most recent work reflects on her experience as first-generation Mexican-American through her own history of migration. She has exhibited nationally in a variety of traditional and non-traditional venues, and her work is a part of a private and public collections. From 2018 to 2021, she served as board member and vice chair of the Salt Lake City Art Design Board. She was a 2021 National Association of Latino Arts and Cultures, NALAC Leadership Institute Fellow and currently oversees the visual arts program at the Utah Division of Arts and Museums. She's had a lot of experience in the, in the arts, has been involved in a lot of different ways, and I was happy to see her as a juror for this show. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as what she's done, it really wasn't jurored or, or curated in a way to where it was just one particular theme. And that's something that I want to point out is it was extremely medium, fair, right? Yeah. Yeah. It felt, it felt fair in sculpture, painting, uh, ceramics, which I guess is sculpture too, printmaking. It, it had a large variety of accepted works. It wasn't just one type of work. Exactly. And I think she's got a very keen eye for being able to bring in kind of like the modern twists on old techniques. One of my favorite pieces was like a on polio print or and it was just interesting because it was and it seemed to be like and i'm pulling it up here on my phone just so that yeah and while, while you're pulling that up i should say that um this show is on view from may 13th of this year to july 16th so when you're listening to this podcast it will still be up and you can go see all the work in person which you really need to the online photos don't do justice what we saw in person yeah, there's something something special about the space, especially with one of the pieces that you have in the show. And we can talk about that in a minute, too. Ooh, um, <laughs> but this piece that I'm, I'm referring to is called Shortcut, and it's by Nikita Shelley, and it's Ontalio on Linux. And this piece consists of four different Ontalio prints that are in kind of this red ink but the modern twist or the current theme that makes it feel so nice and refreshing is she has tied these four pieces together with a red thread and she has that thread up against the white wall um of course these ontario prints are held up by magnets um in each corner and Really, the way that she's designed it is this fluid, almost human artery kind of vein-like structure combining and flowing into the next piece and so on and so on. But it gives you this 
moment where you can go from left to right, right to left, and it connects everything in a way that you just want to see what paths you can design out of these prints that she's made. And for me, that engagement in that kind of modernity of doing new things with old techniques really played a huge role in me enjoying the experience of this show that was put on. Yeah. I'm looking at this piece now because you sent me a photo of this. Um, and I did see this in person and maybe the intaglio, uh, practice isn't like, like the work itself. Uh, let me go back a little bit. Just thinking about this. I'm kind of reacting to it. Like now I wouldn't say that the, the prints themselves are like super spectacular, but it's how it was shown and how it turned into not only prints or this practice of prints, but into an installation piece on the wall. So I, I don't know. I always do react to like painting or printmaking or drawing that has a sculptural element where it kind of ties those two. And I don't know if it's a, like a shock factor thing, like you don't notice or not a lot of people see that. Um, but I react to this kind of work as well, where it's a uh, sculptural, but it's also this traditional uh, practice of the intaglio prints. Um, I don't mean to like rel against the work. I, I'm just saying the prints itself is kind of an abstract red print on four squares and that red string you talked about tying them together, um, goes from each strong red line in each print to the next strong red line. And so it has this flow to it and it's the string that connects everything and makes it a sculptural element. One of the other ones that we were looking and, and honestly, congratulations on getting in the show. That's a great accomplishment. And I, I enjoyed your piece. Uh, we, I think we all did. Another piece that really, really stood out to me was one called Incomplete Glance by Pablo Ayala. And this one was a funny piece because as Jeffrey and I were having a conversation in the gallery. Um, he said, Oh, do you have any favorite pieces? Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh yeah, I, I took a picture of this on my phone and I just really liked it. And, and you hadn't seen it at that point when we were having that no, conversation. I think I had glanced over it. It's, it's a pretty small portrait. Um, and I was honestly like bouncing back and forth between the show. We had a lot going on, but it was exciting to see all these pieces and I was reacting to one at a time. So yeah, I said like, I, I didn't know what piece you were talking about. You showed me a photo. I was like, oh, let's just go see it in person. And you have a different experience with it in person. Could you describe how it looks? Oh yeah. And in person, it is like uh, a portrait that is painted on board and the figure is facing you and he is looking off to the figures left your right but this board has a chunk out of the bottom left corner and it's really interesting because you think about materiality and what that means and things like that and you're like well what happened to this piece it dropped but not only that this board is mounted in or on a frame that is kind of broken at the top left and they've fixed it with what looks like an acrylic type glue. Um, the portrait itself is of, uh, I would say a young man who's not necessarily displaying emotions of happiness or sadness, but is just a neutral expression. And the, thing that got me the most and that I really liked was these 
kind of, I would say, teal or kind of blue, strong, bold lines in the hair. And the hair is actually just a red, but these strong blue lines that kind of give shadow or give definition to the hair strands really drew me into the piece, not necessarily the figure itself, but the ten techniques applied to demonstrating this hair on this figure. Yeah, this is a mixed media piece, um, but it's mostly oil on linen board and mixed media. And it is funny when I, when you came, when you brought me over to this piece, it really felt like it was like a lot of these scraps to make this frame and kind of, maybe that's what made mixed media and sculptural again. I kind of reacted to that portion of it with that resin in the top right corner, fusing that frame back together. And then even the, the board or the surface, the support that Pablo painted on is just like broken in one corner and it exposes the backside of the frame. I don't know. It, it felt sculptural in that way. Um, it is quite small, but you react to it. I felt the name was clever too, incomplete glance, both that it was like, it felt like an incomplete frame job on it. Um, and then the style that it approached with like a really rendered face and the skin on the face, but then the hair, the shirt and the background were all left pretty rough. Um, this actually happened to be the second place winner in the show. So congratulations, Pablo. We thought your piece was good. Obviously the juror did too. And we were excited. This is when, what I mean by seeing people that look super ecstatic because Pablo stood up and just looked so like shocked that he got second place. It was so cool to see. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things why I like these types of shows is because um, there really is no connection to a lot of the individuals participating. And so when you do have these shows that offer some type of juror and prize cash prize or whatever prize they have, it really is a genuine reaction from the artist. Yeah. That's what it felt. It felt genuine. Um, I don't know how old he is. Uh, from what I heard, he had recently been in like a high school show. So I'm, I'm assuming that he graduated and he's now in college and maybe a few years younger than us, but it was cool to see this age gap between the winners and to see his genuine reaction to winning that. And it, it really, I think it adds to motivation for his future work that he'll continue to make this great work. Yeah. Kind of. I just want to put a plug in right now. We definitely want to thank the art Institute for allowing us to be able to record here in this space. Oh, uh, yeah. oh go ahead and go ahead and correct me, please. Sorry. <laughs> um, the visual art Institute. There's a few other places named the Institute or whatever, but we're currently at the visual art Institute in Highland. Um, we have a few different locations. I say we, because I also work here, but they allowed us to record here. It's also known as VAI. Um, it's located on a Highland drive, 2901 Highland drive. They offer kids, teens, and adult classes, and it's a great education, uh, service that this nonprofit organization provides for Salt Lake city. Um, so yes, thank you again for allowing us to record in this space. Um, but I feel like you had a purpose in mentioning this institution as well. Yeah, I, I do because something just as we're talking about Pablo Ayala and, and what they've explained to us about his journey and how they have helped him along with that art journey is that 
really places like these are very important, like the Visual Art Institute, being able to play a key role in artists' lives to be able to help them have those art opportunities like this to be able to get into these shows with pieces that they've created here or things like that that really pushes them and changes lives yeah i think that's uh good to mention we've throughout these podcasts we've talked a lot about opportunities primarily probably focused on um, undergrad to grad education um, with residencies and applications and, and all that stuff. But there are, there are places out there, even the Bountiful Davis Arts Center has high school related shows and that high school focus or younger, as well as the Visual Art Institute will have kids, teens, adult focus to spread this uh, art education further than it can. And I want to thank Bountiful Davis Arts Center for putting shows like this on and talking to us about their kind of residency programs, their um, high school residency programs as well. If I understood them right, I think they also have high school age kind of studio spaces. So it's cool to hear some of these opportunities that not only graduate students or, or college kids have, but a younger generation too. Congratulations again, Pablo, on your fantastic achievement of getting second place in this competition, this show. Jeff, did you have any kind of artworks that you were looking at that you enjoyed when you were there? Um, I did. I didn't take any photos this time, <laughs> but I, what I ended up doing is I, I just like searched on Instagram and immediately followed the artist so I could see what was happening. Um, further along. I kind of want to talk about who was in the show, uh, just general information. There was actually quite a few of artists that we already recognized, like we've met. Um, Caitlin Garcia, we actually just released an episode interviewing with her. She was accepted into the show. Um, some other names that I recognize personally is Heidi Sampson, a, a very great ceramic artist. Um, let's see, who else did we see there? There was James Talbot, who we also know got into the show, Katie Benson. Um, I think there was a few others. It was, it was fun to recognize names. And I'm starting to realize that I'm recognizing names that are getting into shows. Either they were like professors of ours, um, but it's starting to feel so real that our community is involved in these scenes, in, the, in these um shows. And I was actually just looking back at some, oh, what is it called? The photography and sculptural statewide annual, another statewide annual and looking through the names and like, oh, I know that person. I know that person. I know that person. Um, it's a really good community of people that we have in the art community. And it's really cool to see people grow. So everyone that we've interviewed, uh, to see them in other shows, it like makes my heart feel warm. <laughs> so, um, there was plenty of other artists as well that, um, some of them we, you know, I think we felt a little bit embarrassed not to know their name or who's cause no one's pointing to their artwork and saying, Oh, that's mine. Come talk to me. Like mm -hmm. when we went to the show, the opening with all the other artists, we kind of had to sit back and wait to see like either who won or maybe bump into people. And we kind of hope we have more of those opportunities. I've been going all over the place, but essentially 
I'm grateful for these opportunities. I'm also grateful to recognize names of friends that we're starting to see in these shows. And then at this specific show, we have the opportunity to see new work we haven't seen, talk with people that we haven't talked to before and see where their art progression has gone. And that's always an exciting thing. I agree. Why don't we go ahead and talk about your art piece in this show? From from my take, let me just make sure that I've got it right. But we've got Sitzmark. Mm-hmm. Sitzmark, yeah. So Sitzmark is this wire... Well, it's not necessarily wire, but it's like a steel rod kind of structure that has been built out of uh, eighth inch steel rods. Is that right? That you welded? I think it's an eighth inch. It might be a little thinner than that, but essentially it is a stiff enough steel rod to weld at the ends to create a structure. Yeah. And so this structure that has been in your final show at BYU, um, I remember it being nice clean smooth oil steel that was welded together and placed on this hardwood floor and in gallery 303 where it first originated or first showed it was on this hardwood floor and gave it such a drawing type feel it gave it a very nice volume Mm -hmm. as well you could walk around the piece and see how it interacted with the floor interacted with the walls and really became like a drawing in place that resembled a space that you have lived in or experienced or been in and wanted to keep that memory intact of the space um, from what we've talked about in your art practice and things like that but now it's been some time it's been sitting outside and some changes have happened to it as a natural occurrence of the properties of steel and materials and things like that so jeff why don't you go ahead and just describe your piece as it stands now in the bountiful davis art center (laughs) i actually i'm glad you brought that up um something that i have like small moments of thought about um but this is you know, this piece has been in only one other show. And I think it's typical for artists to reapply artwork or sculptures into other shows and show it in multiple places. And this is the second show that it's been in. So like it's second opportunity to be seen, but you're right. Time has passed. I don't have storage for these huge <laughs> sculptures. They're really light. They're steel rods welded at the end, like we were saying, but they're so big that I can't get them into like a single door. I have to have double wide doors or tall enough ceilings because some of them are even taller. And so they've kind of just sat outside and they began to rust. And I think in some portions, the the wire began to warp a little bit due to heat and cooling and heat or my brother's dogs who jump on them, (laughs) (laughs) bending them out of place. But yeah, the motivation behind those pieces was an, in an effort to preserve a location. So when you're looking at these sculptures, they're measurements of the inside of a structure, leaving some of those items in there like desks or tables, and you essentially have the negative space um, inside of one of those at a different scale. And with that effort to preserve a location and preserve its memory, I think I was okay with letting it rust and, and, and presenting it in this show. Um, I don't know how people reacted except for you seeing both of them. Cause I think most people seeing it didn't have the opportunity to see how like pristine it looked before. And it still looks pretty good, pretty straight edges, but there's an orange rust color to it. Time has passed. And now time is like embedded on the surface of the sculpture. Um, and that's okay with me preserving 
a space was in an effort to preserve my memory with associated with that space. And memory does fade. Memory does, um, kind of discolor, <laughs> you know, it, it changes. And when you think back on it, this was like literally a physical representation of how memory can shift just so, just so slightly. It started to warp a little bit, started to discolor. And I think that actually added to, um, the, the initial motivation behind that piece. I was okay with it. And, um, I still think it looked great, but, <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, and in bringing it up, I think that in a way, this piece now has a life of its own, as most art pieces do once they leave the nest of the artist and kind of go into the world and participate in these shows or live outside is homeless. Um, but the rust added to that kind of change, like you said, of memory and time and passing. And so I think highly successful in the fact that from the first appearance to the sex, second appearance, it still holds its value and it's still giving the same meaning behind it, but even more now mm -hmm. that it's moving with you and moving through time. I actually think maybe that's a good point. Um, I think uh, multiple artists will agree with this, but sometimes in the moment of creating something, we're not exactly sure why we're creating it or the full. I don't know what, what it really means at first. And I think it's okay to let it teach you as the artist, as well as inform other people. But when you're creating something and when it is shown or it changes over time, being okay with that, knowing that it actually is teaching you more about that piece and it, it involves that piece a little bit more. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. And one of the things too is uh, as we were at the Bountiful Davis, uh, Davis Arts Center, we were talking to an individual named Chauncey and Chauncey yeah. really enjoyed your piece that was there as it was. And so, and that's another thing that I wanted to say is that even one of the people involved in the Bountiful Davis Arts Center loved your work, loved what you're doing and was even, reacting to it in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we all want as artists is to be able to have that reaction in somebody. And even just when, because you and your wife attended the show too. And so when you two are looking at different pieces and I was looking around the room, I did notice people taking the time to look at your sculpture, walk around the sculpture, be able to take it in. And it didn't turn into something um, kind of like the funny story of when we originally got <laughs> it in the truck and took yeah. it there. Yeah. Maybe I should <laughs> talk about that. They're, they have some great staff there at the Bountiful, uh, the B the BDCA, right? Bountiful Davis. No, BDAC. <laughs> I'm going to try to shorten it, but they have some really fun staff. We've met Scott and we've met D who works in the, the front office, welcoming people. And, uh, <laughs> when we took my sculpture off the truck, I initially actually, this is kind of funny to talk about just like, how do you store things? <laughs> how do you transport things? And with these sculptures, they were too big to fit in a big minivan. And I thought I could get it. So Daniel, thank you again <laughs> for helping me. You've been like side by side through those projects the whole time you helped in assembling, you know, cutting that and, and making it and transporting it in my final show and this show, you've been a good friend in that aspect. 
Um, so yeah, we get the sculpture off the truck and we're bringing it in and D's like, Oh, so is this the, is this the pedestal for the artwork? It's like, uh, uh, no, it's, it's the artwork itself. So, uh, she's like, Oh, Oh, is there any surfaces that go on it? It's like, no. <laughs> and it, it actually was funny to see those kind of reactions too. Um, I think sometimes we do have the the community so involved in your work and your process that they know everything, but then to have fresh eyes, like not knowing that that's the piece of work that I submitted and got into this show. It's just, it's just wires though. <laughs> yeah. But I hope everyone that's listening has a chance to go see it in person um, and see the rest of the work. And I think you'll react to it differently than you can any other way, but D, it's been fun talking with you and shout out to you and Scott. <laughs> Thank you for being fun. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the things, too, is these opportunities come along and a lot of the times there's the back end behind it, right? Um, now, this show, it was open to anybody in the state of Utah to be able to apply. And as far as any other of the art pieces that are there, they're excellent. They really are. There's from the highly geometric to even the fabric arts yeah. and, and even the, there's fabric a good art. representation there in that show. And so don't be scared to apply to shows like this that have these open calls and things like that. And then maybe it's a good time that we even just kind of discuss, you know, when you are an artist or when you have something that you want to display or want to enter into competition, um, or to get jured by, um, somebody like Nancy Rivera. Um, what is the process like? Obviously you had a successful entry into the show. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I do. And I, I want to like be fully open about this. Both me and you, Daniel applied to the show and it doesn't mean that my work is better than yours or yours, you know, and that's not what it means is one is better than the other. I'm sure they had a ton of applications. A statewide show is, is a big thing. Um, I want to talk about the ratio of, of applications. And we heard this a lot from professors in our art education that you just need to apply. And when you get denied, apply, apply, apply. And that's really, I think what it comes down to is sometimes it's not your turn. <laughs> sometimes it's not the time for you. And I felt really, uh, kind of surprised by this and I was very happy to get accepted. Um, and I hope that, you know, you get some pieces in soon to another show or next year to this same statewide. But yeah, I mean the application process, we, I think you found this show. Mm -hmm. We initially put it on our website at hiddencube.art to try to promote it a little bit so that the application was up there. Um, I don't know if everyone applies last minute, but I sure did on this one. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, but you know, you apply, you, you put in, I think documentation is really important for your work. You want to, you want to follow their guidelines on what documentation they want to see. So that means like what pixels by what pixels at what kind of, um, image definition, uh, follow those guidelines, actually read through proposals and make a checklist for yourself at, I want to make sure that I'm giving them the image sizes that they want, uh, you know, apply with as many photos as you can and, um, some good descriptions of your work and just fill in all of those things. I think that really helps clarify to the juror that you're serious about your work for one. And when you follow their actual 
uh, guidelines that you're showing that you're also serious, like you're, you're doing everything that they're asking to, but no matter what, you know, it, it really comes down to probably the ratio of how many applications you have in my submittable, submittable account. That's what we were using to submit these applications. You know, I was looking at five declined other applications that I had before. And I think I have a few other accounts that had some other declined ones. And this was like the first one out of eight in a long time that I got into. So really just don't get discouraged when you get declined on one, you'll probably have an opportunity to actually get in another show. So I don't know, is, is there another part of the application process you think would be important to mention? Um, sometimes it is good to know that some of these applications do come with a fee. And right. Yes. So know that this one in particular did come with a small fee. Um, and you could submit up to three pieces. Um, yeah, I think I the fee would go up every piece. So I think it was like, you know, 15, 20, 35 or whatever. And I submitted up to three and that's another thing. Like I submitted three pieces, only one got accepted. There was other artists that had, you know, they must've submitted up to three and got two or more pieces accepted. So, you know, when you think of like how many pieces I submitted, the ratio is way bigger than that. <laughs> like maybe one out of 25, I don't know, something like that, but there are fees associated with these. Yeah. And sometimes you can find shows that they don't have a fee. And I know that a lot of artists are looking for good ways to get into those shows. Um, one of the things that I would say is know that if, if you are paying a fee and you, if you are being serious in that way, most likely you're going to have a smaller competitive pool to deal with. Um, as those ones that don't have fees, they're going to be very large pools and you're going to be it's going to be highly competitive as to who can get in. Um, but do know that as an artist, you know, take into account that sometimes it's going to take a little bit of effort financially to be able to get into some shows and just expect that. But at the same time, look for those opportunities where there is no cost to. Yeah. I think, uh, there's been professors that have really like promoted the, the shows that don't have large fees. Um, cause then you're, you know, where's your money going? And maybe we could mention that too. This was a competition for one. So the money I think was being pulled for the, the cash prize for the first, second, third, which was a thousand for the first 700 for a second and like 500 for third, I think. So those applications obviously went to help pay for those cash prizes. So you're kind of doing this pool with a chance of winning. And I don't think shows are honestly, they're not always about the winning. Right. And, mm, and actually no. I would say most of the shows that, um, artists are applying for is not about the, the cash prizes. And that's not actually my motivation when I was applying to the show. It, you have the hope there. Um, but it's about showing your work and in a new venue and with new people. And that's what felt beneficial to this show. Even though, you know, you don't get the cash prize, uh, you, you get to meet new people, at least for us. I thought that was great. Um, and you get to show your, your work in a new venue, a new place, somewhere that you typically might not. That's one of the things where I like about kind of like shows. And of course I didn't get into the show and that's okay. Like for me, like you said, Jeff, it really is as many shows as you put into, 
you may get in one out of every 10. I know that I, when we've talked to Rachel Henriksen, she also said something similar. She's mm-hmm. applied, applied, applied to residencies and got into the ones that accepted her. And then she had that opportunity to do things. And so don't get discouraged. Like take it for somebody who didn't get into the show. Don't be discouraged because there's other shows out there. And maybe next year with a different juror and different kind of set of eyes looking mm-hmm. at pieces, a different show takes place and everybody will still enjoy it just as much. Uh, I thought um, a really exciting factor of, of the show, and I mentioned it earlier, was recognizing other names. Um, I think it shouldn't be disappointing when you see peers names that you recognize in residencies or shows. I think that's something that, um, you know, I let myself get down on earlier. Um, was seeing these people do residencies or even some of the people, our peers that we've interviewed, you have a little bit of inside of you like, dang it, I wish I could do that. But when you see your peers, they're your peers, you know, you can do it. And, and it should really be a motivational thing rather than a depressive thing. And I, I had to like tell myself that too, when we're talking with people that had these great opportunities, maybe it's just not your time yet. And that's kind of what I've told myself is like, you know, I want to do residencies and I want to get in more shows. Um, but I see my peers doing it. That should be motivating a lot more than depressive. You know what I mean? Like, and it was, it was nice to have you like by myself helping with that, um, getting that piece there and also applying and having, you know, excitement for me, even though you didn't get in that show that I can also return that favor and be excited when, when you have your shows or or group shows or whatever should be an exciting factor. Oh yeah. And and that's one of the things too, kind of when I, when we were there at the Bountiful Davis Art Center and we were seeing the the BDAC, (laughs) the support that, came from other artists, the support that came from family. Um, I know Caitlin Garcia's husband was there. Your wife attended to support you and the family members and parents of, of many of the artists were there. And so I want everybody to remember that as we are doing art and as we are applying to these shows, as we're going and critiquing these shows, I think one of the most human characteristics that these shows provide, especially in an opening night, is the ability to bring people together, to be able to appreciate art, to be able to make new connections and to be able to forget about the world sometimes and just enjoy something that has been put on for our benefit as artists. That Friday when we went to the show, I had so many things happening that day. I had to like (laughs) fix my mom's bike. I had work earlier that day. I woke up and was like, Oh no, I have to go clean the studios. And I forgot about that. (laughs) And it really like, I had so much going on and it, it finally felt restful when we actually showed up to the opening and was able to just see other people's work. And then I went off and camped for the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think it was a really restful time and it was a good opportunity to just be like, Oh, finally I can like relax. And I hope that's what people feel when they're seeing like these shows is it's an enjoyment way more than like, I have to be here. (laughs) I don't think family would ever go non-supportive or friends. Right. So as as far as that goes, do you have anything else to say about the shows or are we kind of ready to move into 
the other opportunity that the the BDAC provides and something that you want to apply for as well. Yeah. Um, no, I feel like we, we covered, you know, the show in general. I, th- I think our viewers really need to just go see our listeners <laughs> really just need to go see the show. I guess I'll just emphasize again that it's up until July 16th of this year, 2022, in case you're listening like years down the road. <laughs> so just go see the work for yourself. Uh, let us know what you what you thought about the show. We actually have a comment section on our website under each one of these uh, released episodes and we haven't seen any engagement in that. So if you have any comments, like feel free to throw it into the comment section on our website at hiddencube.art.art. And you can listen to the episode straight on there. You can see a little bit of a description, some, uh, images, and then there's comments at the, at the bottom, or you can always email at us, email us with any comments and stuff too. We'd love to hear back. So yeah, let's move on to another opportunity they have there. Um, What you're alluding to is the residency program. Um, We haven't released an episode on Modern West, that fine arts gallery that we interviewed um, Aisha Lehman about, but they also have a residency program. So like, what is residency, first of all, Daniel? Well, a residency is a program that is put on by either gallery or some group that is looking for an opportunity to provide an artist with a space to be able to do work. And typically this will be, Oh, it could be from a week to like a year. And it really depends as, as far as what they are expecting and what is an artist you are expecting. And one of the benefits of residencies is sometimes they come with a solo show attached Mm -hmm. and the solo show can, can help you display a new body of work that you've been working on during the residency. Um, also gives you the opportunity in some cases to be able to teach your techniques to the next generation and things like that, or to peers that are just like, Hey, I love your work. I want to know how you're doing this technique or what you're doing here. And so a residency really is built on what an institution of art or even just a group of artists or a a collaboration of artists is trying to help other artists with and they can build it how they want to but for the majority we've seen that it's been a space given to you for a certain amount of time that you can just focus on your work Um, typically you'll have the keys to the building you can be there until midnight or Mm -hmm. till the early morning wherever you need to and just Focus on your work and then at the end uh, and sometimes even interview about your work and then have a have a show at the end. Yeah, I mean, they, they range all over the place on what you're you agree to do. And sometimes they'll house you. Sometimes it will just be a studio space, like you mentioned, um, their local and national kind of residencies. And neither of us have had one yet. Um, it's a, it's another application process that you submit a portfolio, sometimes a project that you want to accomplish during that time. Yeah. It's a good opportunity to, it's like camping when you go out in nature and like kind of reflect a little bit. I feel like that's what a residency focus does. It helps you reflect on your work and, and produce either a project or a continuation of your work. Um, it's just a good opportunity. So the Bountiful Davis Art Center, uh, they don't have an application up yet on their website, but they will. Um, and we will link to it on our website as well. But we were talking to Chauncey um, in person, at, who was a staff member there. 
about, I just asked him about the residency and what it's like. And I'm still a little unclear whether it's like three months or six months and they have it rotating. I think it's a three month residency program, but they'll provide you with a space, a studio space. They'll provide you with, um, keys to the building, like unlimited access so that you can get in and also opportunities. They have kind of an education basement area at their, um, gallery where below there's another gallery, but then there's the residencies as well as like a workshop area. So if you wanted to, you can do a workshop or some kind of, um, what do you call it when you just talk about your work, like a presentation essentially. So you could do presentation, uh, to, talk about the final work. And then at the end you'll have a show. So actually when we went to the, the competition, the 47th annual state competition, uh, there was actually a show downstairs happening at the same time for, um, someone that had just finished the residency. I don't know if it's in the pamphlet or not, but yeah, they have another opportunity there. We'll link the application on our website when it's available. And it's something that I'm going to apply for. I think it would be totally worth it. It's They kind of invite another juror so that it's not like all these connections you made with just there that they would accept you, but it's kind of like applying for a show, um, but just an extended period of time where you can actually work in the facility, which I think is just so cool. And we've interviewed plenty of artists that have done it and I just want to do it now. I want to be at that stage, you know? Yeah. Another thing that Chauncey said is that there's kind of two opportunities, one being the residency and the other is just, they have an open show. Uh, well not necessarily open show, but it will be a solo show. Yeah. A solo show. And so with these two, he, he did suggest that you apply for both of them and just know that if you get into one, you're probably not going to get the other one, Yeah, but they will be opening up, um, as far as here in the near future, as of the release of this episode. And, and once again, we'll link those opportunities or link to the, the BDAC site for you. To be nice. Able to do you that. got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I think it, you know, it might turn into one of those ratio things again, where this is the first residency thing that I'm going to apply for. And it might be like, 10 down the road that I apply, that I, I get in. There's been some good work that has occurred. And, uh, you know, many artists that we've talked to that had really good experiences and they also ranged in, um, time and, and what was associated with the residency there. So I also, I think they have a high school thing too. If I understand mm-hmm. right, they have two spaces. One is for, um, like, I guess you would say professional artists. Um, or like graduated from high school and another is for like a high school space, if I understand. So you'll have to look more into that, but that also seems like a cool kind of, you know, what we're talking about as far as where we're recording today and what the BDAC, yes, (laughs) um, also provides is a younger educational um, opportunities and a high school residency would be so cool at that time. Oh yeah. And so we just once again want to thank the Visual Art Institute. You got it. (laughs) For being able to help us um, host us here today um, for this. And once again, we just want to say, if you haven't heard about them, go ahead and check them out. Come meet Jeffrey, you know, take a class for a minute. Yeah, take some classes. We have, you know, maybe I should talk a little bit about the programs. Um, For one, we have 
all kinds of programs, a lot of traditional based mediums. We are well known for, um, really, a really rigorous figure drawing program during the summers that are coming up for teens and adults. Um, that's an awesome program. It's, it's, uh, I think it's two weeks, Monday through Friday from like nine to I want to say four or something. It's like an all day. You really get to know how to draw the anatomy of human body shading and they have amazing instructors. But other than that, um, there's always ongoing classes. So when we're in the fall or winter, there's ceramics classes, there's kids, um, intro to art classes, there's kids ceramics classes. Uh, something that I've been pioneering here is kind of the technology based, um, classes. So we have a Glowforge laser cutter, uh, we have a computer lab and I teach like sculpture through those kind of tools and, and mediums. And, uh, we're always, uh, doing all kinds of stuff. And it's honestly such a great program. So, you know, check it out. We'll link this website as well. Uh, it's a great nonprofit organization, something that I owe my life to art about. <laughs> um, they, they founded my education in that. So yes, thank you again, Visual Art Institute or VAI. Um, and thank you, Bountiful Davis Art Center for the great show. If you want to go check it out up till July 16th, uh, the 47th annual state competition. Uh, look for any other kind of opportunities that we'll have on our opportunity art opportunities page. And we'll try to put a little bit more out there. Uh, we linked this show and hopefully some people applied through that means, but um, we have a good resource on our website to look at that stuff. Yes. And also if you want to hear us talk about other shows or if you are interested in coming to meet any of us or at a gallery or something like that, go ahead and reach out to us at the hidden cube podcast. And it's actually just hidden cube podcast at gmail.com. And we'll go ahead and get to you there. So thank you everyone. We'll see you next time.